This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver, it's Pride Month, and we're reflecting on what's been happening for our local LGBTQ community this year. While Douglas County again struggles with the idea that books in our libraries might actually feature queer people, the state legislature touts its own work as a progressive, LGBTQ-friendly place. And of course, we're talking all about that dangerous weather disaster at Red Rocks. Today is Friday, June 23rd. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the only city that New York Jets quarterback, a.k.a. Shailene Woodley's ex-boyfriend is really how I know him better, former governor of Texas and the co-founder of Whole Foods can all agree on. Um, they love drugs. They want to be here along with 10,000 other microdosed people who oh. are here <laughs> for the massive psychedelics conference this week. Anne-Marie, were you excited about that conference? I All right. Everyone keeps asking me if I'm going to this conference. Do y'all know how much it costs? Oh, it's like one hundred dollars. It's really, yeah. It's. I'm sure everybody's having a really nice time at this incredibly bougie conference. Um, I am going to like a little side thing to it tonight that did not cost any money. It's kind of like the South by Southwest approach. Like you go to all the other parties, the the, the auxiliary right? stuff. Yeah, right. to ten thousand people in Colorado for. To talk about psychedelics. It's is a new that outdoor super- retailer show. <laughs> Watch out, outdoor retailer. I know you've left the state, but it's probably a lot of just the same amount of puffy vests. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you've heard her voice already. Anne Marie is an independent journalist and podcast producer who you may know from this show, but also from On Something, which was a show about life after legalization. Um, she recently produced National Emergency, which is about two ER nurses on the quest to treat some of America's deepest ills. Anne Maria Wad, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here in the new spot. In the new space. That's right. We're at 5280 Magazine's beautiful offices in downtown Denver, right off the 16th Street Mall. Um, but we also have a brand new guest to the show, first-timer Demi Harvey, host of the queer-focused music show Serve It on Indie 102.3, and a DJ who utilizes the dance floor as a place to build community. Demi, welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yay! So I'm so glad you guys are both here. Yeah. Um, it's Pride, well, it's Pride Month, right? Yes. We've been celebrating all month. I know. I was going to say, it's kind of <laughs> nice that we get a whole month. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of what we're going to talk about uh, is just uh, LGBTQ community issues, which overlap with all issues and all communities across the city and the state. Um, so I guess um, I would love to hear from both of you as as folks who identify as queer and are part of this community. What do you think about the state of the queer community here in Denver today? I mean, I... Um I have gone on the record here as saying that I am a little bit of an 
indoor person, and I don't go to a lot of these parties, so maybe I'm not the best person to ask. Um, but I will say that this year, in light of everything that's happening around the country, um, I feel like it's a real bright spot in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I have been covering this issue for another podcast, Anti-Trans Hate Machine, as well, mm. um, for the last year or so. And, of course, a lot of that comes from Colorado, that organized anti-trans movement. But at the same time, you know, the Colorado queer community is just, like, so resilient and Going into Pride, I feel like that's especially true. Pride weekend, I mean, going into Pride weekend, I feel like that's especially true. Like, I feel like there's a broad recognition that this is an especially important year to be out and be visible and to protect each other. Um, and that, to me, is really beautiful. Demi, what about you? Oh, I am very much out. Yeah. <laughs> You're as an a... out, out person. Yeah. Well, you even like as an, an introvert, out. I'm like, I don't. I'm not social, but my life is social. Yeah, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I don't I don't either. It's a lot. Um, but yeah, I personally have seen, you know, with especially all the trans hate and mm -hmm. a lot of the hate crimes that have happened towards the queer community, it's interesting because every event that I go to, whether it's um, like grassroots organized or it's a mutual aid thing or it's Adams County Pride, I just feel like people aren't scared. They're trying to make themselves visible and showcase to the younger generation, hey, we are still visible, we're still here. And I just think that it's so sweet. And it, I don't know, it feels like a shift over these past few years because yeah, Pride is also a celebration as well. And it's very much felt that way over the past few years. But this year in particular has felt very like we are organizing, we are showing people that we are here and that we aren't going anywhere. And it's been very cool to see. So even though I go to like DJ events or dance events or something like that, everybody is kind of talking about it. Everybody has that on their radar of like, this is happening to our community and that's scary, but that's not gonna keep us from doing the things that we love to do. Yeah, it's really a balance, I think, too, of um, addressing the issues. Like, they're out there, we know what's going on, we know that trans folks in particular are being targeted, but also taking this moment to celebrate and say, we've been here the whole time, yeah. right? Our community has been here the whole time. Um, so that's kind of leading into what we wanted to talk about today, which is um, how these issues sort of run through our state in different ways. Um, first story, I, I'm going to try to deliver this without just sounding like totally pissed that these people <laughs> are doing this. But um, residents in Douglas County, of course, have gathered once again uh, to call for the banning of certain books related to the LGBTQ experience in their libraries. Luckily, the folks that showed up um, in support of these books is like twice as many people. So those voices are definitely louder. But these folks that want to ban these books, um, which are, again, related to experiences being queer in the world, like like any other community experience, but they're being called pornographic, which is bizarre. And um, they are young. The, the couple books that are in question are young adult books, and they're already housed in the adult section, which was a compromise that's already been made. Um, and these folks are still still think that these books should be basically should be banned. Um, what do you both think about this? I, I'm gonna I have to control myself. I know. Here too. That's why I feel I'm like there's just this boiling rage over like librarians being put in terrible positions for no reason. Yeah. You know, book banning in 2023. Like, what is going on? 
Oh, God. Especially in today's internet. Like, <laughs> I, I know. It's just like, it's about the books and it's not. It's I, not. Like, I, I don't want to be that, that guy who's like, I've covered this, so I know. But I had a little stint as an education reporter. Um, and I think something that is missing from the coverage of a lot of these school board conversations and conversations about public libraries is how this does fit into like a larger right wing cynicism Mm -hmm. of those kinds of institutions. And this is just sort of like another way in um, to cast doubt on whether or not we should be publicly funding places like libraries. Um, And I mean, buddy, no one's talking about banning the Harlequin romance novels from the public library. I read Flowers in the Attic when I was a teenager and that was about an incestual family yeah so it's like the i'm like y'all want to talk about the stuff i got from the library growing up it's questionable it's none of this stuff Mm -hmm. um and it's not what it's about it's like it's really using the sort of like public forums to really um i don't know spread misinformation i mean it's just lies it's just none of this stuff is pornographic well i I know that you bring it back to this bigger picture which is the right-wing agenda of uh getting basically getting rid of public school. Yeah, undermining confidence in public education. I I think that's that is like the big sleeper story to all of this is like I I don't want to say that queer people are a distraction by any means. It's not how I would put it. Um, I think they're more of like a human shield (laughs) for a lot of these like really deep long-running pet issues in the conservative movement when it comes to just like a complete antipathy towards public education, for example. Like, this is just a brand new opportunity to get in there and say, hey, yeah, you know, (laughs) these teachers are doing some crazy stuff. Demi, what do you think? I don't know. I just feel like it's a huge waste of time. (laughs) Because I'm just like, as someone who's grown up with the internet, (laughs) it's just like you can find this stuff anywhere and your kids, the more you're going to like try to squeeze this out of them, the more that they're going to be curious and go and try to figure this stuff out themselves. And if people, I think in the article, they also said like, you know, if kids are searching for that kind of content and trying to understand like why there are some deep rooted questions in the values that they've been taught and the things that are around them. And I think that they should question that. Everybody should question that. And especially when you're a youth and you're going through so much change, you should be exposed to as many things as humanly possible. And I don't understand kind of like the fear tactics that Mm. some of these parents are trying to instill. It just, it feels very immature and that's what what I get from these conversations that are happening, not just here, but all across the U.S. of just like, please, please find other ways to spend your time. This is <laughs> a lot. And yeah, exactly what you said, Brie. I have read some very intense straight books, some, <laughs> some by accident. No one is talking about the straight agenda I'm in these public like, libraries. <laughs> which I'm like, why? I also... Just kind of a side note, I just um, watched and read Sharp Objects, which is a very creepy story. And yeah, there's like so many like straight, just toxic, like masculine tropes that are like in this very popular source of literature. And it's like, why? (laughs) When there are things out there that are like that, why are we talking about? You know, like Harlequin kissing another yeah. like villain. Versus, I just don't get it. Yeah, the book's in question. <laughs> Let's talk about it. This book is gay and gender yeah. queer. A lot of it is examining just the world through the lens of being queer or what your family yeah. experiences. Yes. Or, and I, I think about. Um, 
I'm straight, and uh, I grew up. <laughs> it's okay. I grew, <laughs> I grew it's up like okay. <laughs> mainlining John Waters. Like this dude yes. was my entire childhood experience. My parents. We had also the video. We we used to go to this video store up the street called Video Movie Madness. It was run. The first gay people I ever met were the couple that ran it. And um, they let us rent whatever we wanted because they had an agreement with our parents. I mean, I saw Crybaby as a kid. I saw Pink Flamingos as a kid. That's like the gayest stuff out Mm. there. Guess what? I'm not gay. (laughs) It didn't make me gay. I wish it did. Sorry, John Waters, it didn't. But like, you know what I mean? Like that that didn't change who I was, but it informed the things that I understand in the world. I mean, Divine was the first person in any sort of a drag performance that I understand what I understood what she was doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was cool. Yeah. And like, it just gave me a profound respect and understanding for the community that would become a huge part of my life. But it didn't, I don't know. I just, it, I think about like, these things might make you gay. Like, <laughs> sorry, it's kind of impossible. I like, also just want to know, are these people like reading these books before no. they oh, for sure Absolutely not. not. For because sure not. Absolutely not. You bring up Genderqueer, for example, that's the most banned book in America right now. Really? By Maya Kobabe. Yeah. And again, I think really like when you look at these campaigns against these books in a broader sense, they're going after these really highly visible I don't want to use this term, but like sort of like low hanging fruit, right? Yeah, like this sure. is a book called Gender Queer by a Gender Queer person. Yeah. Um, and this book has been stalked all over the country by conservatives trying to ban it from schools, trying to ban it from public libraries. They don't know what it's about, really. Because they've never read it. They've never, never read it. Um, or you just you get other books they're trying to remove under very flimsy pretenses. And it's just really not like when you talk about like John Waters and you talk about being able to be exposed to just queer people and that's existing. Like a kind of extreme thing for sure. Right. His, yeah. his this is nowhere near what these books are like. No. no. You know no. what I mean? No, so pink this was like us. No. I mean that is like But they're yeah. calling like children's books like pornographic. Right. Like, really? It's yeah. It's about it's almost, it just doesn't the content doesn't really matter to them, I don't think. I think it's about the exclusion of queer people from public life. A lot of these people just assume that they know what queer people, who they are and what yes. they want and how they represent themselves in the world. And it's like, do you even know a queer person? Are you but friends with a queer person? They know like, queer people. They don't you? know they know queer they people. Don't. Yes. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. <laughs> you interact with queer folks every day in your every life, day. whether you know it or not. At the and store, like yeah. everywhere. <laughs> I, think, I think that is a, a piece of the anti-trans campaign that's really worth like sort of dwelling on for a second. Um, In the other podcast I've worked on, Anti-Trans Hate Machine, we interviewed people who were part of the ex-gay evangelical movement in the Mm. 90s. Um, And I think one of these really So these are the folks that, that when you say ex-gay, do you mean the folks that were like, uh, they 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 tried to like get the gay out of them? Yes. Okay. Yes. And then they survived that, which is and they survived. Traumatic. And a few yeah. of them, um, f- the person we interviewed in particular is Yvette Cantu Schneider, and she was part of Focus on the Family at one time. Wow. And um, she since renounced that. Um, but she talks about how, you know, as queer people became more socially acceptable, it became like hard to keep preaching this idea that you could change folks because a it wasn't working, obviously, yeah. but also b people came to know more queer people. And it really was that power of having a personal relationship with a queer person. And and, and it sucks that that's what it takes, honestly. Um, But on a level, 
it is really powerful for people. And and she even made this connection where she said, because a lot of Americans don't know a trans person, don't know an out trans person. An out trans person, I think that's helpful. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they really only go by what they see in media. And I think that's particularly potent here, right? Like yes. it's like we have so much more visibility in a way in media. So it's that's why certain people, I guess, feel like there's more trans people. <laughs> like, no, they've, it's been the same. It's always. been the same. And and again, we were like repeating silly history here with, yeah. that we did with with gay and bi people in the 90s. Yes. It's like it's not that there's more. It's that, you know, you're not going to necessarily lose your job or be ostracized from society for just being mm. queer. Um, and so also the Internet, also the Internet. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, this is a this is a backlash to tolerance. And I think what's really fueled by is the fact that people, a lot of people don't have a personal relationship with an out trans person. And so they just makes things up, just make up. They're all they're trying to turn everybody transgender. <laughs> it's just just nonsense, just made up fictional crap. Ugh, OK, well, maybe there's a, a the. A positive side of this conversation is the fact that LGBTQ representation in Colorado politics is on the rise. Um, Colorado Newsline recently did this great piece on that impact. Um, I mean, in general, what do you both think about that visibility in politics? I think it's really encouraging. I mean, I think uh, I have been covering politics on and off in Colorado since like 2016. Um, And it's just been nice to see not only the increase in representation, but sort of just like I, I don't know. I think these candidates are taken a lot more seriously than they used to be. Yeah. Um, even just in the election, like it's not a big deal anymore. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> it's something that is a selling point for sure. Like, yes. oh, this person understands things about the world that I I think that our country needs to understand. So but yeah. at the same time, it's like, are they a good legislator? Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting because like as a person who wasn't really involved in a lot of local politics growing up and I am now because I work for different publications, but it's kind of cool to see that there are queer people in politics so that younger people can see them and be like, oh, they are representing my district or they have the same like passions as me and they dress this way. And it just feels really cool to be to have that representation reflected in the politics as well. It's like, yeah, we may not have hundreds of people that are in office that are openly queer, but it's cool that the few that are are very proud and open and loud about their politics. And it just helps bring that attention to people who maybe like me, maybe didn't have a background in that, but now are getting more and more interested in Colorado politics because they see themselves being represented. I was going to say, that's what representation is all about, is when you see yourself in something, then you know that you can be a part of it or that it understands you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So I want to read this quote from Representative Leslie Harrod, very out person in the community, uh, recently ran for mayor. But um, she said, Harrod said she befriended a former Republican colleague after they worked together on a variety of issues, despite disagreeing on many policies. She said that on one of the last days of the session, she found a note from him in her binder where he apologized for having brought forward anti-LGBTQ legislation, and he said he wouldn't do it again. What do you guys think about that? That was wild. That definitely (laughs) stuck out to me when I read it because I was just like, see, people can change. But for me, it's just like exactly what we were talking about before. You have to get to know a queer person Mm. on a personal, interpersonal level in order to try to understand them because 
I don't know if it's fear. I don't know if it's just wanting to be blissfully just unaware of the community. But when these people create these ideas in their heads of who they think queer and trans people are, that's when they start to just reflect this hate. And I'm glad that Leslie Herod made this genuine connection with somebody who probably didn't have a lot of the same views as she did, but still wanted to continue to connect with that person. And it seems like the feeling was really mutual. And it seems like they really understood where Leslie was coming from and understood them not only as a human, but maybe just heard each other's like sides and were like, oh, I see how this is harmful towards this community. And now i won't vote that way anymore. That's huge. And I just think that that needs to be done more on an everyday level. And I'm glad it's happening on a a political level because obviously that's really important for change. But yeah, it just goes to show that you, even though people may be very different from you, you can still have conversations and it could still be a commonality that, oh, something doesn't feel right to me, how we're treating these people. Maybe we shouldn't continue down that road anymore. Yeah, I think that's really true. It it goes back to that like personal connection. Like it's like, it's not just getting their point of view on it. I feel like it's just just seeing them as a person. Mm -hmm. Like seeing that they have kids and they have families and that they are, you know, care about the same things that you do. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think about the way that he went about this. I guess that that was the one thing that like, I understand he can't just come out and be like, I'm an ally now. But like, (laughs) I just wonder, it's like, it's a message to Leslie, which she's obviously going to share with other people. But like, does it feel like, I don't know, I kind of, yeah, it felt like a little bit of a cop out. I'm not going to undermine the fact that that work was done between them to create this relationship. But like, is he going to stand up now? I'm a note girl. So I personally loved it. (laughs) Okay. I was like, ooh, love notes. Cute. Um, But (laughs) I know it's not a love note. Yeah, it's like a little bit far from a love note. (laughs) But for me, yeah, I'm really going to hope to see. They didn't. Leslie didn't disclose who this person was, but I do hope that they speak up. But I do think it was a nice gesture to be like, hey, I'm going to write Leslie a personal note saying Mm -hmm. you did something in my life that has shifted my way of thinking. And I hope to make a change in the future. I really hope that they carry forth with that um, because karma. But at the same time, (laughs) I'm like, I, I think it's I think it's fine. Okay. I like that. I appreciate that that (laughs) perspective. Um, Okay. Well, we're wrapping up here, but we will be right back after a quick break with something else. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. This 
This episode is brought to you by the Denver Botanic Gardens. It's time for the 75th annual spring plant sale at the Denver Botanic Gardens. Mark your calendars for Friday and Saturday, May 10th and 11th. Admission is free, but you must register in advance at botanicgardens.org. Registering my husband, Greg, right now for the plants I want him to pick out and plant in our yard for me. Shop from 15 different plant divisions, including annuals, house plants, herbs and veggies, and specialties like aquatics, container garden in a bag, and plants grown right at the gardens. The garden's horticulture staff will be on site to answer any and all plant questions you may have. This sale emphasizes water smart and native plants that are perfect for our semi-arid climate. They'll be great for a beautiful landscape that doesn't require a bunch of water. For more details, registration information, and a catalog of available plants, go to botanicgardens.org. That's botanicgardens.org. And we're back. Uh, We're doing this segment regularly that we really enjoy called Wins and Fails, which is where things around the Mile High City either really impress us or really bum us out. Um, I'll start my fail this week. I was going to complain about the Park Hill Golf Course still taking up space in our city conversation. Oh, my God. But I was like, no, that's so boring. Um, last week, a friend of local artist Thomas Detour Evans started a GoFundMe to fund his work painting a new Nuggets mural celebrating their win. Um, shocking, not to most of us that are in the art world, like, or that have friends that are artists, like, no one gets paid. Very, very rarely are people getting paid or let alone paid enough to do these murals. Um, but I think it was just a little bit of a mini wake up call about the role of art in our city and how important it is and what it driver it is economically, tourism-wise, that mural is going to be photographed hundreds of thousands of times, right? Like, Visit Denver should be paying detour. The Nuggets should be paying detour. Maybe the new mayoral administration will have some sort of... There is funding out there for public art, but it's an arduous process, and it doesn't always pay folks that do this kind of work. And so I think it was just a bummer to me because I was like, oh, people are finally seeing this for the first time. They're really understanding that artists pay for a lot of their own things out of their own pockets. And it is a huge reason why Denver is awesome. Yeah. We're a good-looking city. We've got great art. Um, What did you guys think about that? That's weird. (laughs) I just, yeah, as someone who also has a lot of artist friends, it's just like, where do you, who do you think is painting all of these murals in Rhino and Five Points? Like, they're people. Right. (laughs) And these people are out here sweating. They're on dangerous scaffolding. They probably don't have health insurance. Oh my God. Who's paying for all of this? And I know paints and stuff are expensive. And yeah, I've already seen Detour's mural like everywhere. Every publication has used that image. And it's so vibrant. His work is just so detailed and amazing. And yeah, I 100% agree that the city or even the Nuggets can band together and be like, hey, this cool thing is happening. This artist did this amazing thing. Let's give them some funding. Yeah, I just think it's just weird and so unfortunate that a city that loves art and wants to support Mm -hmm. art just has such a lack of funding for art. Yeah. (laughs) To be fair, there is a public art program and it's something that Colorado has that or that Denver has that not a lot of other places have, which is 1% of every municipal capital improvement project over $1 million um, gets 1% of that to get art made. So it basically creates money out of big projects to pay artists to make art. And our artists can uh, 
they'll say, okay, we're building this new thing. Um, That's like the RTD public art and stuff like that. I think or is so. It also, the murals. It's the. I don't know if the murals are included in that because it's usually larger projects. Like I'm thinking about, um, what is that piece? Oh, I mean, uh, Lucifer. Like art insert. Yeah, for like instance, art installation. Our Lord right? and Savior. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, that came out of the city, and so that is that's fair. I guess I don't know. I just I think that artists do a lot of work that just goes unheralded and is not seen as a contribution to a city when in reality it's one of the biggest draws for the city. Yeah, I think also like protecting that art art is also a piece of the conversation too because that's part of the investment, right? Like his other very famous mural, the George Floyd one, had been defaced I don't know how many times and he's had to go back and fix it. Again, that's something he pays for out of his own pocket. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is this iconic mural. But yeah, I think also the the other mural I think of off of Colfax, I forget on which building um, that was painted over in 2020 with the nurse. Yeah. Yeah. Carlotta, I think it was Carlotta Espinoza's piece. Also, uh, the Chicano Murals Project was working to save that as well. It was a piece from the 90s, I think. It was very old. Yeah. 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 And, and so then it was like, painted over by this with this piece. And it's like, it's hard because it gets complicated. Well, the owner of the building said we could do it. But then who owns the uh, piece of yeah. art on the side and, and things like that. And I think the thing that sucks is like then it pits artists against each other yeah. and like, I don't want us to have that conversation. I think it's more just about how do we uh, incorporate muralism into public art in a way that funds it and supports the artists that create it. So, um, okay, Demi, what's your fail this week? (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, I have ranted about Red Rocks all season long, if you follow me on Instagram. (laughs) And... Another one is coming right now because they were just in the news, national news for this is going to air later. But the Lewis Tomlinson concert that happened was completely hailed out. And there's videos that you can find on social media right now of people running from the giant quarter-sized hail that is pelting them (gasps) on the Red Rock stairs, and they have nowhere to hide. Some of them are in the bathrooms. Some of them are hiding under the very sparse trees that are up there, if you've ever been to Red Rocks. And a few probably fled to their cars, but I also saw that a lot of cars got their windows just pummeled out because the hail was so and a lot of people like dozens of people were hospitalized for their injuries and yeah you know red rocks you can't we can't really control mother nature there if you've been to a red rock show the weather can change at any time but we have had some pretty severe weather over these past couple of weeks and so we need to find better ways to prepare the public when they are going to these outdoor venues to keep them safe because not only was there hail there was lightning yeah. there was torrential rainstorms it was it looked like hell it really did and there was kids there you know yeah. and so that's just a that's just a major fail, but I've mostly been ranting about Red Rocks because it's extremely inaccessible. As a person who's now in their 30s, I don't go to Red Rocks very often because it is hard on my body and my mental health. (laughs) I cannot make the drive to Red Rocks and wait in traffic for an hour to get in, to find parking that's three miles away, to hike on trails that haven't really been maintained and have no lighting, to hike upstairs to get 
to my spot in GA that is at the very top of the venue to pay $13 for a bottle of water. <laughs> I just, <laughs> it's not for me really anymore. It ruins the magic of Red Rocks it for you. It ruins the yeah. magic of Red Rocks because it's a whole thing and it is very inaccessible to people. And even just seeing like, where are the handicap spots? How are people who are yeah. not able-bodied able to get up and down these stairs, get to the bathrooms, which are only located at the top and bottom of the venue? Or in the moment of a crisis Or in the moment of a crisis, where do people go? Because your cars are not close. So how are you escaping? And even how are you getting out? Because I'm sure with the rain, these parking lots are mud. Mm -hmm. So it's like people are sinking in them. It's just a whole cluster that I'm like, Red Rocks needs to deal with. And I know that it's kind of managed by Denver Arts and Venues. But also, I think there's a responsibility to the promoters and people who put on these shows to make sure that it is safe for people to go. Because... It's also a huge draw of tourism to Colorado and people get there and they have this idea of what Red Rocks is going to be. And yet they are very ill prepared for everything that Red Rocks has to offer in order for you to even just get to the show. So no one believes you until they actually go that it's like a huge pain in the butt. Oh, for sure. It's oh. I mean, I don't think I believed anybody, to be fair. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because Red Rocks has this kind of like glamour of, oh, all these big people have played and it's stunning. And And when people to go and there's not a show. And when it's a perfect night, (laughs) it's stunning. It's the best show ever. It has the best view. Yeah. But it's like, all the stuff you got to do to get there. Is it? I don't think it is. It's it's just (laughs) miserable planning on on their part. And it's expensive. It's so expensive. So, just side note, like even before the pandemic, you know, you pay bonkers prices for these tickets. Yep. And I, I think the last show I remember going there was like Father John Misty. And we left even before he was finished because we knew it was like a Tuesday. You weren't going to be able to get out of the parking lot. And I work in the morning. And, and like, yeah, yeah you got to budget all this time. So like I only – I pay all this money to see like the artist for 20 minutes, mm-hmm. you know. I'd rather just see him, That's I don't right. know, yeah. Ogden or Mission. Or yeah, so exactly. So there's that. And then there was severe thunderstorm warnings all day long. All day. Like there was yeah. ample – opportunity um our neighborhood venue uh levitt <laughs> pavilion another really amazing outdoor venue canceled their show that was going on the other night Early. well in advance Early. well in advance yes. yes and gave people time <laughs> you know it is wild to me that red rocks went on with that show every and- every show is a gamble for a promoter that's right so it's they were like we're gonna gamble and make our money i mean and i don't look I would not, I'm not telling anybody to sue Red Rocks, but if Red Rocks did get sued after this, I don't think anybody at all would be surprised. No like it's, you just, you, you literally people got physically harmed because yeah. of that bet. Oh, and I want to make a note of that. Colorado Sun reported that seven people were taken to the hospital and between 80 and 90 people were treated for injuries at the amphitheater. So. Wow. That was preventable. I'm, I, I'm just, I would argue that was all preventable. I mean, on their Twitter page, they were like, stand by everybody. You know, wait, hold on. We're going to try to see if we can make this show happen. Irresponsible. Yeah. I just, you, they, they put people in danger. Did you have a fail? Or was that was, your fail? I think that was, I want to share you guys that one. Doubling on the fail for everyone. There is. That one. Well, okay, let's look at something positive. Uh, Demi, did you have a win this week? I did. Um, so with the psychedelic Thing that's happening this the big week. conference yeah the big conference um i kind of didn't know that it was happening but i was actually asked to dj a different event that was kind of one of those auxiliary events and it was a focus on black people um and black people sharing in community of like cacao and what 
that means for like the psychedelic industry and infusing like microdosing and things like that. And so it was really cool to be in a space that was like kind of filled with a bunch of black people learning about psychedelics and what that means for them and their spiritual healing. And there was different vendors and it was at green spaces, which is now black owned by Javon. Shout out to you. And um, yeah, I love that place. And it just felt really safe and cozy, but also like educational as well. And it was even with the the hundreds of dollars that people had to pay to go to this psychedelic conference, it was cool to see that, hey, we may not be able to afford that, but we're going to create space for ourselves and still participate in this in whatever way that we can. And I just thought that that was a win. That sounds awesome. Nice. I yeah. like that experience aspect of conferences when you can start to see the other things branch off mm -hmm. related to the, how it connects with communities. And especially when those are the people who are living here. So they're yeah. going to give back to this community, whereas a lot of the people coming to the conference are going to just leave. Sure. Right around. <laughs> right. Anne-Marie, did you have a win? Yeah. I feel like I should talk about a nice outdoor concert experience. <laughs> I would love to hear your nice outdoor concert experience. Um, I had the pleasure of going to the first Denver Botanic Gardens outdoor show of the season um, this week. Uh, oh, Nico wow, I Case. I didn't it was the first. I believe Nico? it is. Cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Nico Case and Nora O'Connell, and it was just so nice. Um, like, I, it's, you know, for people who haven't been, it's like picnic style. You can yeah. bring in your own food. You can bring in booze. The people in front of me got loaded. <laughs> um, it was just, it was like funny watching them Lots pull out. Lots of dads like, and khakis. But, oh, dancing. yeah. They're getting loaded the, to the Nico The calves were out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you should have seen. A I saw the B-52s music. a couple years ago, and you uh -oh. want to see the dads go crazy for my own private Idaho. My goodness. People get, people, people get, you know, they people party tore. at the Botanic Gardens. Uh. I saw, so Nico Case, I, I actually saw her at the Botanic Gardens like back in 2017 with Laura Veers and Katie Lang. Oh, and that sounds awesome. It was amazing. Um, but Katie Lang is like uh, hilarious on stage, like so funny. And uh, she turns around at some point, she picks up a banjo and she's like, you know, something I've learned is uh, chicks dig banjos. <laughs> And then at that moment, like all these older lesbians just like filter down the aisles like, with their hands up. And they're like, what? <laughs> they're like, this is your moment. Yeah. Enjoy this moment. Oh, it was so good. It was amazing. Oh, that's um, but yeah, lovely. Nico Case this week was incredible. I'm always so impressed with how they put on these shows. I, I feel like I don't know anything about sound, um, but I imagine it's very hard to do good sound outside. And I'm just always so impressed by how great these shows sound. Um, it's like theater in the round style. So it's like hard not to get a good view. And oh, it was just like awesome. Oh, good. OK, so a positive outdoor concert story. Thank you. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to not to downplay what happened at Red Rocks because oh, I'm with you. Um, <laughs> but my my win this week was uh, last week I got an email that was like, if you want to buy tickets to Casa Bonita, you can right now for this oh. time only. And I had signed up on their mailing list. This was not a press thing. I got to go. What? It was incredible. It was. What was so the highlight? I need to know. Okay. So, well, they kind of redid the interior, but when you first walk in, it looks exactly the same. Like huh. exactly the same. It's wild. How it just, they just did it. I saw the pictures. They tore the whole thing apart yeah. and put it all back together exactly. So they've changed a little bit the way that there's a ticketing system now. And so you go into this little room and you get tickets. But um, 
the the kitchen you didn't you know you didn't really see the kitchen the food right. came out of a home wall yeah. like now you see you see, <laughs> you see the food now and it looks lovely and it's oh. like and then you walk up and it's they the thing was the the cliffs and the water they just enhanced it with lighting there's like stars now it's just so and and um fog it's like so magical they have a like a band like a a stationary band they were playing like selena covers it was amazing but everything else looks the same there's just like little additions that are good like if you go down to the stalactites cave or the i was just gonna yeah or the mining (laughs) yeah it's it's the same but better like it's cleaner there's no more carpet down where the water i mean there was water water and carpet i mean let's get real um it's they've redone some of the stalactites so the tables have lights in them like it's and it's all the same so if you want the exact same experience you can have that and then there's like enhancements there's like a guy in the mines and you can do this like you can play a little game and like there's all there's all this it's like there's different additions but if you want that exact cospanita experience you're going to get it so kudos they did it's perfection but how was the food it was oh, fine. Yeah. Do it you still fine. get free sopa peas? You do. <gasps> and they have different options for the food now. Like the menu's better. There's vegan options. There's vegetarian options. Oh. Like, and also if you want, uh, they had flan. They had like a key lime custard. So if you want to upgrade, you can. But if you want to do the base ticket price with the uh, meal and the free sopa peas and everything else that was free in there, it's exactly the same. Love. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. So cheers. I can't wait for everybody else to get to do it. I don't know how I got that, but (laughs) I think, um, oh, also their merch. They have an awesome uh, gift shop, and I spent way too much money in there. <laughs> you the full outfit. I do, I know. I was like, do I need dish towels that you say like Casa Benita? So There's, wet. Yeah, oh, there needs to be everything in the exactly car. what I told my everything. best friend when we walked in. I was like, I'm going to supermarket sweep this whole yeah. place. Yes. It was awesome. So yeah, I saw your tweet that was like, ma'am, do you have a fitting room? <laughs> so I just like, excuse me, is there a fitting room here? And I'm like. Please. It's the Casa Benita <laughs> gift shop, ma'am. Just trying it it's on over H&M. your clothes. You need, we, need a, we need a photo of you in the in the full drip as the kids. Oh, say. I know. Yeah. I yeah. got my shirt. I got a shirt. I got my son a shirt. It was great. So it was lovely. Uh, okay, we are going to take one more quick break, and when we come back, we'll have our city cast Ember maybe for your weekend. What's up, other fam? Rainer Shine, I'm Andy Stein here with your CityCast Denver weather forecast for this weekend. Hey, y'all, this week was intense with the rain showers and the thunderstorms and the severe storms and all the tornadoes that happened in eastern Colorado. It's been a busy stretch of weather. We're going to talk about that more in a minute, but let's talk about this weekend. It is Pride Weekend in Denver, and I am so happy to say it's going to be such a beautiful weekend. Clear skies, sunny conditions, highs in the low to mid-80s, overnight lows in the mid-50s with clear skies again. Just really looking perfect for any outdoor events that you have planned over Saturday and Sunday. Hey, let's talk about June. June has been, this June has been our wettest June on record ever. We've gotten over five inches of rain, which has never happened before. And if we add up what's happened now and what also happened in May, we are over 10 and a half inches of rain here in Denver, which is the wettest May-June period on record as well. So y'all deserve this weekend of sunshine because it's been wet. It's time for the official CityCast Denver maybe for your weekend, as in maybe you'll see us there. As usual, there are so many cool things happening in Denver this weekend, but there's only one where you might see us. Peyton Garcia rounds up her best bets in our newsletter, Hey Denver, every week, and she's here to give us her top picks. Hi, Pay. Hey, y'all. 
Hey. Hello. Okay, you guys ready? I'm yeah. excited. All right, I'm going to start by saying that I'm not putting the Pride Fest celebrations okay. on our list because that would obviously win. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 like a given. All we're weekend. already going to do that. Yeah, people yes. are going to go to it. Um, so I'm not I'm not including that, but everyone should go. Okay, to start Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Um, Brighton, the city of Brighton, is hosting a health and fitness expo at Bar Lake State Park. Um, that's it. You go and <laughs> you celebrate health and fitness. But the reason I'm highlighting it is because I really love Bar Lake State Park. Have you guys it's ever been be- there? I, I was just so. there for yeah. Adams County Pride. Yeah, it's so There's cool. There's a lot of lakes over there. I had no idea either. There's yeah, water you spend here. a lot of time in B-Town. <laughs> There's water in Colorado. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is where they've been keeping it. That's where they keep it. <laughs> it's a really cool space. Yeah. Um, in fact, I just highlighted Brighton in one of our neighborhood guides a few weeks ago and and um, wow. I plugged Bar Lake State Park there. It's really yeah. cool. They've got cool wildlife. The weather's supposed to be really nice. Um, so whether you like health and fitness, go check out see Bar Lake a, State see Park. See a nice yeah. lake. Yeah, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so that's Saturday morning. Um, also Saturday morning. And Marie, you might enjoy this one. Uh, this is a plant swap and giveaway. Well, it sounds like me. Yeah. <laughs> it's happening in Sun Valley. Um, and they're encouraging, it's hosted by a, a, a bunch of organizations. Um, I think it's hosted at Earthlinks. And oh, I love them. Yeah. They're encouraging the community to come together and talk all things plants and pollinators Cute. and bring seedlings and propagations uh, and swap plants and I'm tips. There. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. This is early yeah. contender. And you don't have to be like a good gardener. You can be like Anne-Marie, who's great. Or you could be like me, who sucks. And like, I know. I was like, still I go. watch my husband do a great job. Yeah. In our so, yard. Moral, it's moral free. Support. It's You're just fun. You're seated gardener. Yeah. I also yeah. suck. It's fine. But it's a dream of mine to be like a cottagecore lesbian with a huge garden and chickens and all of that. So just take What's cool is if you dream. go and other people bring their like prop propagation things plants, you know you could plants. yeah you could mooch off of better yes. gardeners yeah yes. <laughs> right? i'm just saying i got a bunch of tomato plants still Same. i gotta get rid of them just Ooh. so well, don't give them to me they got they got a little beat up by the hail <laughs> but okay. they're still fine okay so that's sun valley okay what's next next is sunday um, Denver Beer Co. is partnering with Little Man Ice Cream to combine two of your favorite summertime treats by way of an ice cream and beer flight. So you'll get five scoops of uniquely flavored handcrafted ice cream to pair with five four-ounce pours of signature DBC brews. If that's not the most Colorado thing I've ever I know. Heard in my I entire know. life. And then I went to sleep. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> they have, um, they have, I think, four or maybe it's five tap rooms. I think four of them are in Denver, one's in Arvada. Or maybe it's three in Denver, one in Arvada. Oh, way. wow. Um, so there's like a, a lot of different options. They're all doing it. It's only 30 bucks for the pairing. Um, I think they both do good stuff mm-hmm. and the the pairings are pretty unique it's like one is like a graham cracker porter paired with a fluffernutter ice cream Ooh. then there's like Fancy. a honey wheat ale paired with honey ice cream so anyways if that's your thing and you want to be in a food coma on sunday <laughs> <laughs> good call Sounds okay yummy. what's our last okay pick? last one is larimer square's summer market series um so they do this all summer Spend money drinking and shopping on Larimer Square. 
I like Larimer Square. <laughs> it's going to be busy this weekend. There's yes, going to be lots of people down there because of Pride. So if you want to, you know, feel real city-ish. It's shut down. Like, uh, Larimer Square is shut down. It's just for people. Yeah, right? no cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they still have all the tables out. Yeah, it's a big selling point. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. It's nice. It's a nice way to get around downtown and hang out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, the, is the comic book convention also the same weekend still as Pride? Is it? Oh am I going to see Miss Marvel out there? I don't know, actually. I didn't see anything about the comic book convention but maybe that's too niche they used to be the searching. same weekend that seems yeah, like I don't know. B- a, why would you do that that's like competing with they, the same audience it was awesome <laughs> it was like um How they do changed do it from comic-con but what is it now uh pop culture fan... fest or something I feel like it keeps changing. they changed the name like of it but it was that father's day weekend and pride yeah usually all on the same yes. weekend for oh. a long time <laughs> How do you so, I mean, you oh, celebrate your daddy there and you celebrate your daddy at a Oh my gosh. Because yes. it's yes. like you can't help but yes. hit both events. And yeah. then everybody else had the same idea too. Oh, yeah. Like it's just like Thanos is sporting the flag. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It it's awesome. literally the most like delicious combination yes! to like see people cosplaying and then going over to Pride. It's yes. so fun. Oh, that's good. Okay, people yeah. can do both. We're just like mm-hmm. going back and forth yeah. all day long. It's awesome. Why not? Okay, so we've got uh, fun activities at Bar Lake in Brighton. We've got the Sun Valley Plant Swap. We've got the Denver Beer Co. and Little Man Ice Cream Pairing. Flight? Flights? Pairings? Yeah, Okay. both. A pairing flight. A flight of pairings. <laughs> and, the, and the Larimer Square Summer Market Series. You can hang out downtown in the streets, drink and shop. Um, what do you guys think? What are you? What are you feeling? Uh, do you even I, I know. You, I know. I'm, honestly, <laughs> I know. I should. I should have. Should have left it out. I should know. Already, I'm already like building the itinerary in my head. I'm like, oh, okay. And then after there, after that, I can go get bubble tea, and it'll be great. <laughs> So I mean, you, I do have to say, Sun Valley is like a really cool place to hang out. I was going to yeah. say, I'm really a sucker for Sun Valley. Yeah. So I. That was a, also my vote. <laughs> I love the plant swap for you. <laughs> yeah. But I just like a reason to go to Sun Valley. So I, I would agree that would be my pick as well. Yeah. All right. I'm down with that. Yeah. If me I, too. I just want to shout out Earthlinks as a really freaking cool organization. I don't know about Earthlinks. I don't know. I'm actually a Sun Valley kitchen gal right next door. So people what's... who do not have housing, they get them more involved with growing food and plants oh, cool. um, and doing uh, outdoor related crafts. So they have like beautiful rain barrels that people hand paint. Um, they have little oh, cool. like they have little like pollinator hotels that you can get cool. that are handmade. Um, just really neat organization. Pollinator hotels like a bee hotel. Yeah, yeah. Which, a are, hotel which are good. For bees? You want those? Okay. Those are good. <laughs> okay. We like the bees. I'm oh. more sold. So we can celebrate Earthlink's work and support the community and get all the plant freaks out. Yeah. Woo-hoo. yeah. <laughs> all right. Cool. Sounds okay. Good. Uh, so there you have it. That's the official CityCast Denver maybe for your weekend, but there's way more where that came from. Payton's got plenty more recommendations in our newsletter, Hey Denver, which you can subscribe to right now by texting Denver to 66866. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for joining. Demi, Anne Marie, always good to have you back. This was lovely. Thank you both. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was a fun, fun little, little chat. <laughs> That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were Paul Caroli and Olivia Jewell Love. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter. I'm Bree Davies, your host. Our music is by Los Mocochetes with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. 
If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CityCast Denver and tell a friend about us next time you see them. You can sign up for our daily newsletter by texting Denver to 66866 and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. See you next week.